0: What good news that the God who exists, the God described in Genesis, is always a God of new beginnings. So right now, take a deep breath, breath of life. I let go of yesterday, it's gone. Embrace this day, this is God's gift to you and me. Lift up your heart and let's learn together how to find God in the most unexpected moments and places. Which brings me to the heart of what I want to talk about with you for a few moments today. I want to talk about practicing the absence of God. Now, you might have heard about another much more famous phrase from Brother Lawrence, practicing the presence of God. That's good. But I want to talk to you today about practicing the absence of God. In the uh, uh, story of uh, the early chapters of Genesis, we're moving now towards chapter 3, which is Sometimes called the fall, although interestingly enough, the fall, that phrase, that language does not uh, occur in Genesis 3. Uh, I think it's helpful to think about this story as not something that explains the human condition. It describes the human condition. People sometimes think, well, if Adam and Eve chose something wrong, why should God punish me for it? And of course, God wouldn't punish us for something that somebody else did. The Bible teaches that God is just and fair. We find ourselves in this condition where we're up against a problem that's hard to describe and impossible for us to overcome. And this story helps us explore that. Now, as you may know, in this story, there are three characters. It starts uh, in chapter three. Then the serpent was, now the serpent was more crafty than any other creature. We'll get to the serpent later on, not today. There's the serpent, and there's Eve, and there's Adam. Who is missing from this story? What character is absent? Well, that would be God. Why is God missing? Where is he? As you may know, I love Sherlock Holmes. Rick, my friend, and I bonded a lot over Sherlock Holmes' uh, stories. And a quite famous one um, involves somebody injuring deliberately a racehorse, supposed to be guarded by a dog. And Holmes says to Watson, and Watson's typical obtuse cluelessness I would commend your attention to the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. And of course, Watson says, But the dog didn't do anything in the nighttime. And Holmes says, that was the curious incident. I would commend your attention to the curious incident of God in the garden during the temptation. But God didn't do anything in the garden. That, that's the curious incident. Up until this point, God's presence has been manifest to the human beings that he made. He breathes the breath of life into Adam. God is right there. He gives to Adam and to Eve the mandate to rule over the creatures of the sky and in the seas and uh, to do good, to reign, to be fruitful and multiply. He's very present for that. He's very present with Adam when uh, he wants to create a spouse made for him. It brings all the animals to Adam and Adam names. If you've ever seen a TV show called The Bachelor, about the search for who's the perfect mate, who's the perfect spouse. This was the first edition of The Bachelor. And then, and then uh, God brings forth Eve. and And all through this, God is present, always present. But now, when the stakes are so tremendously high, when a decision is made that's going to bring disruption and pain all around, God's nowhere to be found. How come? Well, think for a moment about uh, a parent and a child because what we're getting to now is the extent to which God prizes, loves, values, personhood and human freedom and the ability to choose. If you're a parent and you have a child, you could conceivably, theoretically, follow them around, video everything they do, always be with them every moment when they're at school, when they grow up, when they get married, you're always, I'm watching you. I'm videoing you. Would that be a good arrangement? Is that a good idea? Sometimes I think, yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. It sounds better than some other alternatives, I know. But of course, the reality is it would be a terrible thing to do because every person must be a person. Every person must choose. Every person must um, decide the kind of life that they will live and the kind of person that they will become. When parents have a little three-year-old, they can say, You know what? You got to move. You got to get into the car. I'll give you the three. You move your body or I'll move your body. But when they're 23 or 33 or 43, that's not such a good idea. Imagine God wanting people to be able to exercise freedom. You know, even humanly, if we're in a room, maybe a party where the CEO, if you have a real powerful, glamorous boss CEO, And he or she is present. It's hard for people to be themselves. Imagine if God was fully, visibly present. Now, this is why, in a remarkable passage, C.S. Lewis writes in Screwtape Letters, this is old Uncle Screwtape writing to Wormwood, you must have often wondered why the enemy, God, does not make more use of his power to be sensibly present to human souls in any degree he chooses and at any moment. But now you see, That the irresistible and the indisputable are the two weapons which the very nature of his scheme forbids him to use. This just gets to the core of God's project. Merely to override a human will, as his felt presence in any but the faintest and most mitigated degree would certainly do, would be for him useless. He cannot ravish, he can only woo. Isaiah writes in Isaiah 45, 15, truly you are the God that hides himself. And the old Latin translation, of deus absconditus is something Luther wrote about quite a lot. Martin Luther King preached about that, how we experience this hiddenness of God, which is always a call for us to respond and to seek out, God, what would you have us do? Lewis goes on. For his ignoble idea is to eat the cake and have it. The creatures are to be one with him, but yet themselves. Merely to cancel them or assimilate them will not serve. Sooner or later he withdraws, if not in fact, at least from their conscious experience, all supports and incentives. He leaves the creature alone to stand up on its legs, to carry out from the will alone duties which have lost all relish. He wants them to learn to walk and must therefore take away his hand. This is all what God is doing now in the garden. Screw tape. Our cause is never more in danger than when a human, no longer desiring, but still intending to do our enemy's will, looks round upon a universe from which every trace of him seems to have vanished, and asks why he has been forsaken, and still obeys. And this brings us also to the tremendous subtlety of our minds. See, another curious incident in the temptation in the garden is that when that thought of being disobedient to God comes to Eve and then to Adam, there's an interesting thought that doesn't occur. And that thought is, what does God think about this? What would God want us to do? Why don't we ask for his help? Why does that thought not occur to Adam? Because Adam doesn't want that thought to occur to him. Because, uh, ouch, 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 this is us. This is the human condition. It doesn't explain everything. It describes it. Adam has not decided to do wrong yet, but he wants the option open. A husband struggles with porn. He says to his wife when it's kind of late at night, you go on to bed. I'll be there in a little bit. He hadn't decided that he's going to do something wrong yet, but he wants the option. Wife struggles with drinking and it's secret. She says to her husband, you go on to bed. I'm not going to be there yet. I'll I'll be there in a little while. She hadn't decided that she's going to drink. She wants the option. If I'm going to gossip or lie or be arrogant with somebody or just let my temper fly, the first thing I must do is I must keep God out of my thoughts, the curious incident of my mind. And God hides himself. God allows that because it is so important for God to honor personhood. It is only in that process of being free that we're also able to turn towards God and say, God, I need you. I can't. You can. I think I'll let you. So the question I invite you to think about today as you walk through this day is very simple. Is there any desire or thought in me right now that would keep me from welcoming God into this moment? And I don't know about you. Honestly, I go up and down on that one at an alarming rate. And always, if there's some resistance to God inside me, it's because there's something I want. There's some forbidden fruit that I would like to go after. And it is so easy for me to put the blame elsewhere. That's part of this story too. <coughs> Nancy and I were driving in the car yesterday and I was trying to talk to my friend, Kevin, on the phone and you know, uh, with my phone. The voice could come out in the phone. It could come out over the speaker. It could come out through the car. It could come out in my headphones. I was trying to use my headphones so I could have a private conversation. But I couldn't hear Kevin's voice. It was furious. It felt to me like there was a tiny little voice about a universe away. And so I said, let me call you back. And I did. And it was still the same problem. I was just getting more and more angry until I realized I was not actually wearing the headphones. The earbuds were not in my ear. And Kevin thought that was hilarious. And Nancy thought that was hilarious. It's pretty funny to me now. It wasn't so much then. Put the earbuds in. God, I want to be open to you. It's interesting in the story, we're told that uh, in verse 8, well, we'll get into all this stuff more. Uh, and then they heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So God doesn't simply absent Himself and then leave them to their fate. He will come back and take initiative. There's this constant rhythm of God's uh, entrance into our lives, but then also stepping back, giving us freedom, giving us space. God comes back in. Cool of the day is that time for reflection, when the work of the day is done. We might think about our conscience as that time when God is beckoning, inviting us to reflect. Are you with me? Do you love me? Anything between you and me? all through this day-to-day, that's the question. Is there anything going on in, in my desire my thoughts? Be real honest about it. God, would you walk with us today? End of teaching. Beginning of your day with God. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tim, I'm a part of the team here at Become New. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each video, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Or if you'd like to receive a text alert whenever we release a new video, you can text the word become to the number 888-0444. If you have a prayer request, please let us know. You can text that request to that same number, 855-888-0444. There's a group of us who meet every day to pray over those requests. So we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.